Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your early news along with sports, weather, traffic and business. Here's your top five at five. This is the top five at five. Conflicting statements from President Joe Biden about Ukraine fueling concern over his cognitive abilities. We have President Biden responding to a reporter's question about his mental acuity. The CDC says new figures point to an endemic of the pandemic. But Dr. Anthony Fauci disagrees, warning of the possibility of yet another variant. A reprieve for commuters. It appears the MTA will be able to fend off fare hikes till the end of the year. Social media being targeted to remove posts denying and spreading distortion about the Holocaust. Well, confusing responses yesterday from President Joe Biden over the Ukraine crisis. He used a script inflaming the crisis by suggesting a minor incursion would go unpunished. Then Biden said a move by any Russian forces into Ukraine would constitute an unacceptable invasion. Even better, Biden said the U.S. would respond to moves by little green men, a reference to Russian soldiers posing as militia, as well as cyber actions and parliamentary tactics. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. But it will be met with severe and coordinated economic response that I've discussed in detail with our allies, as well as laid out very clearly for President Putin. Biden caused international fury due to his comments that Russia might not be punished for a minor incursion. The White House went into spin mode. Vice President Harris did TV interviews. And as reporters were exiting another meeting, a Fox reporter asked Biden, why are you waiting on Putin to make the first move, sir? The president's response was captured by audio engineers. Biden responded, what a stupid question. President Joe Biden was quick to dismiss a reporter's question about his mental acuity. He was asked about the results of a Politico and morning consult poll and uh, that he was told about. Uh, we told you about it here on the 77 WABC Early News yesterday. Now, 48 percent of respondents to that poll say they don't think Biden is mentally fit for office. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, Thank so you. the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. All right. So uh, Biden held the press event on the one year anniversary of his presidency. Now, in that Politico poll, 37 percent of respondents said they would rate Biden's performance as president, giving him an F. Fifty percent of those polled agreed that Biden is a weak leader. 
Well, reprieve for New York City commuters. They won't be digging deeper into their pockets to ride subways, buses, and trains for now. The MTA says the New York State proposed budget, of course it still has to pass, includes money to fend off fare hikes for the rest of this year. New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, previously pledged to keep fares frozen indefinitely as the agency struggles with funding gaps due to ridership declines during the viral pandemic. Here's the governor Tuesday. We predict they'll be able to continue to balance the budget and be able to make these types of bold but necessary investments all the way through fiscal year 2027. And this is a big change from where we were just this time last year. MTA officials have put fare and toll increases in place every two years since the 2008 financial crisis. Officials have continued, though, to raise tolls at the authorities' bridges and tunnels where traffic has returned to pre-pandemic levels. Acting MTA Chair Jano Lieber has expressed support for the return to fare hikes every two years. Well, COVID-19 is waning, according to new projections from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Now, figures released from the CDC on Wednesday show daily cases are down 6% over the past week. Projections predict daily U.S. COVID deaths could drop to 1,400 by mid-February. Now, that would mark a 25% drop from current figures. Some experts do think that the Omicron variant will burn out, spelling an endemic. Now, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, though, cautioning yet another new resistant strain could emerge. You want to get it at a level that doesn't disrupt society. That's my definition of what endemicity would mean, a non-disruptive presence without elimination. I would hope that that's the case. But that would only be the case if we don't get another variant that eludes the immune response Despite the CDC predictions, COVID-19 has ticked up over the past week. Daily deaths are up 8% from 1,717 to 1,867 as of Wednesday. All right, more of our top five at 577 WABC Time Check 507. First, let's have a look at the roads and the rails with Mike Garcia. Hey, Deb, how you doing today? Everything is looking good outside with the exception of a few things. Outbound upper level ramp to northbound Palestine Parkway right lane closed for road work until 2.30 p.m. today. At the Lincoln Tunnel, center tube is closed due to road work as well. Route 1, middle... Uh, excuse me, Middlesex County, New Jersey, southbound between Woodbridge Avenue and Route 18 is closed due to an accident. Three left lane blocks, uh, I-495 eastbound between Glen Clove Road and Jericho Turnbike. Those three lanes are blocked, so try to find an alternate route, ladies and gentlemen. Lower uh, lower level Verrazano, both sides closed due to construction. The transit is looking pretty good, so you can take the trains with no problem. Alternate side parking rules are in effect. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 7 WABC. All right. Thanks, Mike. In our fifth story, in our top five at five social media being targeted to remove posts denying and spreading distortion about the Holocaust. The U.N. Thursday condemning the Nazi genocide that killed millions of Jews and adopted a measure to fight Holocaust denial as well. The resolution demanding that social media companies remove posts by deniers, according to the Times of Israel. Here's Gilad Erdan, Israel's ambassador to the U.N., Holocaust denial has spread like a cancer. It has spread under our watch. It has spread because people have chosen to be irresponsible and to avoid accountability. So this measure also lists actions countries should take to combat Holocaust denial as well as distortion. 
77 WABC Time Check 509, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our high near 25. The wind chill will make it feel between 0 and 10. Mostly clear tonight, the low 16. Right now, we have a reading of 15 degrees here in the Big Apple and uh, it's under mostly clear skies. Well, it has been revealed that the terrorists who held up a Texas synagogue, rant, synagogue ranted about Jewish people and urged more British Muslims to launch jihad in the U.S. That's in a disturbing final phone call that Malik Faisal Akram made to his family just minutes before the FBI shot and killed him at Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville on Saturday in Texas. Actually, did say his decision to kidnap a rabbi and three others was his own declaration of war on America, claiming, I've come to die during the 10 hour standoff. Now, in a recording of his last phone call to his brother, Gulbar Akram said he had promised their younger sibling who died of COVID last year that I'd go down as a martyr. But guess what? I've opened the doors for every youngster in England to know, let your life go you f***ing coward but come in a f***ing America and f*** with them if they want to f***ing they give them f***ing war under investigation is why Akram got past U.S. immigration. He was on the British security M15 watch list as a subject of interest in 2020 and was investigated. He had a criminal record in the U.K. too, but he was delisted to a former subject of interest last year. Well, even CNN is questioning President Biden's mental status. CNN host Van Jones blasted President Biden as being foggy and meandering during his press conference on Wednesday. The CNN hosts comparing him to former President Ronald Reagan, who suffered from Alzheimer's. You can be a, a foggy, meandering a president, say like Reagan near the end, if you're winning. But if you're foggy and meandering on key questions and you're also not winning, uh, then you've got a real problem. And- And so, as we mentioned earlier, Biden has been criticized over his cognitive health since he first started his presidential campaign. Jones' commentary addressing Biden's earlier exchange with a reporter who asked him if he was satisfied with VP Kamala Harris's work on voting rights and if he was committed to having her as his running mate in 2024. She could be my running mate, number one. And number two, I did put her in charge. I think she's doing a good job. Jones also alleged the real challenge Biden faces are poor ratings surrounding him and his administration. Jones argued it is imperative that the Democrats secure some wins. Reagan, of course, you might remember, was 77 years old when he left office. That was back in 1989. In 1994, he revealed that he had Alzheimer's. Well, saying on President Biden's press conference, even normally supine media outlets are seizing on President Joe Biden's lengthy press conference Wednesday, saying he failed to turn around the negative perceptions of his administration. Here's CNN's Dana Bash, who says staff will have to clean up the mess. It is going to have to be cleaned up is probably being cleaned up in diplomatic channels as we speak. Uh, to the region, especially Ukraine, uh, and it is going to probably be done publicly uh, soon as well. Even the Washington Post uh, said Biden escalated partisan rhetoric. The Wall Street Journal called it a failure. Vice President Kamala Harris faced a barrage of questions in a round of interviews yesterday morning on the one-year anniversary of her inauguration. Harris deflecting when asked about failed voting rights legislation, bad poll numbers, and broken COVID-19 promises. 
Here's Harris on the Today Show with Savannah Guthrie on the topic of the Ukraine border. Sovereignty and territorial yeah. integrity of Ukraine. Of course. And so I'm we so are sorry very to interrupt, but it is, had... it is less than clear because 30 minutes after the news conference, the White House press secretary had to actually clarify the president's remarks. Savannah, I'm being clear with you right now. Yes, okay. And, and, and so if you're interested, I'll continue to be clear. All right. And uh, Harris also seemed to suggest that there is doubt that the 2022 midterm election will be fair now that two voting rights bills did not pass the U.S. Senate Wednesday. Well, this is a switch. Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California now says she is open to proposed legislation that would enact stiffer penalties on stock trading for members of the United States Congress. Proponents are worried about conflicts of interest here. Now, this is a a course reversal for the multimillionaire. She drew heavy criticism back in December when Pelosi said congressional members should be able to trade stocks as part of a free market economy. Here's the California Democrats about face on Thursday. I do come down always in favor of trusting our members. Now, if the impression that is given by some that somebody's doing insider trade, that's a national, that's a Justice Department issue. Take, that's a Justice Department issue, and, and that, that has no place in any of this. Now, three-quarters of voters agree that members of Congress should not be able to trade stocks while serving in office. That's according to a new poll released Thursday. The survey was commissioned by conservative advocacy group Convention of States Action. It found that 76% of voters believe that lawmakers and their spouses have an unfair advantage in the stock market. Just 5% of respondents approved of members trading stocks, while 19% gave no opinion. All right, 77 WABC time check, 515 on the nose. Justin Ellick is here with sports. And, Justin, I want to plan my weekend. So uh, I'm sure you're going to be covering the NFL games this weekend, which I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, I got all the times for you uh, right, very t- towards the end of my report. As very for my, good, as for my picks as well. Uh, but let's start with basketball. Just one game yesterday, and that was at MSG between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Knicks. Not a fun night for the Knicks as they had another a rough night in front of the home crowd, losing 102-91 to to another inferior opponent. They'll try and bounce back on Sunday when they welcome Los An- the Los Angeles Clippers into town. As for the Nets, they'll be in action tonight in San Antonio against the Spurs. That tip is set for 8.30 p.m. Eastern. No hockey in town last night, but Rangers and Islanders fans will get their fix this evening. The Rags are down in Carolina to skate with the Hurricanes at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. And the Islanders have the Arizona Coyotes at home in Long Island a half an hour later at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. As for Devils fans, you'll have to wait until tomorrow when the aforementioned Hurricanes make a showing in Newark at 7 p.m. Eastern. The NFL playoffs move into the divisional round this weekend with four great games slated over the next two days. Starting tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, you've got the Cincinnati Bengals and Tennessee to bang heads with the Titans, followed by an 8.15 p.m. Eastern time date between the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers in Green Bay. Looking ahead to Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams will try their luck against the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And later on that evening, the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs will square off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern in Kansas City. As for my picks, I've got Bengals over Titans, Packers over Niners, Rams over Bucks, and Bills over Chiefs. 
Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, Justin, no predictions from me because we've gotten it wrong. We're over I know, two every Deb. single time. I, I tried to so. shake it up a little bit this all right, time. Around. All right, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about this on Monday. Exactly. <laughs> your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today are high near 25. The wind chill between 0 and 10. A mostly clear overnight. The lows down to 16. And right now we have a reading of 15 degrees, mostly clear skies. Time for Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business update. The holiday-shortened trading week wraps up today after stocks closed lower on Thursday. Tech stocks started off the session strong but lost momentum towards the end of the day. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 313 points. The S&P 500 dropped 50 points, and the Nasdaq fell by 186. New data released by the Fed show that people signing papers for a new home loan will pay the highest interest rates since the start of the pandemic. Mortgage rates for the typical 30-year loan have climbed to their steepest levels since early 2020 as the housing market looks to expected Federal Reserve rate hikes. According to data from mortgage giant Freddie Mac, the average rate on the benchmark 30-year fixed-rate home loan was 3.56% in the week ending on Thursday. That's up from 3.45% average last week. The IRS has partnered with a Virginia-based private identification firm which requires a facial recognition selfie, among other things, in order to create or access online accounts with the agency. According to Krebson Security, the IRS announced that by the summer of 2022, the only way to log on to irs.gov will be through ID.me. The top scientist at GlaxoSmithKline will leave the pharma giant to help lead a startup founded by a cadre of billionaires who seek immortality. Hal Barron announced he'll jump ship to run the Silicon Valley venture Altos Labs, which is focused on anti-aging technology. Billionaires, including Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and Russian venture capitalist Yuri Milner, are funding the biotechnology firm with the aim of discovering a way to reverse aging. The company received $3 billion in funding this week and is on a hiring spree as it recruits scientists around the world to explore how to reverse the aging process. With business, I'm Frank Morano. All right, 77 WABC Time Check 519. Deb Valentine with your early news. Well, violent crime, as you know, up all across the board in New York City. In the last week alone, two cops have been shot and a baby girl shot in her face. WABC's Lydia Serrano goes in-depth now on this issue with New York Post Police Bureau Chief Tina Moore. And this is Lydia Serrani on the line with me right now is New York Post Police Bureau Chief, the number one crime reporter in the city. And she's a very humble one. Tina Moore, you have been extremely busy. I cannot believe we've had two cops shot in the last week and now a baby in the Bronx was shot in the face. What is going on? I know. We talked to the mom actually this morning of the baby in the Bronx, and she said that doctors are telling her her daughter's going to survive. So that's really great news for her. You know, gun shootings are up. The mother of the baby, I was listening to Eric Adams. He said that these are good parents. They have three children. The mom was just sitting in the car while the dad ran into a into the convenience store when the shots rang out because it looked like two guys were fighting and they were shooting at each other when the baby was shot in the face. 
it was 6.45 p.m. It's not like this is early in the morning or anything like that. Uh, and we have video that shows a couple guys running down the street. One guy's firing, just, just firing a gun, uh, you know, uh, in front of him, firing it. Who knows who's in line of fire there, you know? And this was on 198th and Valentine Avenue, the Bedford Park section, which is where my husband grew up, where he's from, and his parents actually still live. Yeah, I mean, there were plenty of people on the street walking around in cars. Anybody could have been struck by a bullet. This guy running down the street firing wildly. And now in Staten Island, a cop got shot in the leg while he was serving a warrant. So it was a search warrant. Uh, cops showed up. They they got into the into the house, into the apartment, and they were walking up a very narrow staircase. They see a guy poked his head out of the bedroom. They see him. They keep going up the stairs. They get to the top, and he starts firing through the door. Uh, the, the suspect starts firing through the door at the police officers. Luckily, the police officer who ended up getting shot had a shield, and he held it up, um, and he managed to protect himself uh, and the guys behind him, more, one bullet went underneath the shield and hit him in the leg, but, but he's going to survive. Do you feel like criminals are becoming more brazen? The fact that he had the audacity to shoot at a cop? Yeah, I mean, you know, there have been police shootings forever, but we've had three this month. There have been three police officers shot just this month. Uh, the first one was sitting in his car in East Harlem when he was shot. The second one was involved a tussle with a, a suspect in the Bronx. Uh, the, the suspect's gun went off and it hit both the officer and the suspect. And the third one shot in Staten Island. They're all, they're all, they all survived, which is just, you know, by chance, I think. You're right there at 1PP. What are cops saying? I think police officers have been frustrated for a while now. I think there are cases where they, obviously they're doing their jobs. There's police where they're serving that search warrant. Um, so they're still doing what they're supposed to do. But I think they just worry sometimes when they arrest somebody, the person's going to get right out again. Not for a crime like this, but for a crime like, you know, some of the you know robberies with a weapon. If they don't use the weapon, people are getting out. of out, They're not being put in jail. So they're, they're still out there trying to do their jobs. And they just want to get home safe to their family at night. Thank you so much, Tina Moore of the New York Post. Keep up the good work. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tina. And this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. All right. And the uh, mother of that 11-month-old girl who was shot in the cheek in the Bronx, yes, in fact, says that her daughter, the girl's name is Catherine. It's actually her birthday today. She turns one year old. She is going to be okay. The girl was originally listed in critical but stable condition. Now, video released by the NYPD shows a gunman running down East 189th Street and Valentine Avenue, wildly firing shots as he chased a target. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams. My police commissioner is putting all the methodologies that are needed, all of the police personnel on the ground, coordinating with the right plan. But there's one thing we need. We need help. All right. And uh, the shooting in the Bronx highlighting the nationwide impact of gun violence on kids in the U.S. this year. Forty kids aged 11 and younger have been injured by gunfire during the first three weeks of 2022. That's according to Gun Violence Archives. Shootings have claimed the lives of 15 children in that age group so far this year. For teens ages 12 to 17, 163 have been injured. 65 have been killed, according to the Gun Violence Archive. The Bronx District Attorney has now dismissed 133 felony cases, all tied to a corrupt former NYPD detective. Bronx DA Darcel Clark says the cases depended upon Joseph Franco's sworn statements and testimony to the grand jury. 
Branco worked as an undercover narcotics detective in the Bronx. He was indicted in Manhattan for perjury. He was fired from the NYPD back in 2020 and was found guilty of lying to a grand jury on multiple occasions and falsifying documents and evidence. Well, there's an apparent backlog at the New York City Medical Examiner's Office, an article published in the New York Post citing an increase in fatalities and staffing shortages due to Omicron are to blame here. This backlog also having a rippling effect on New York City's hospitals. Some hospitals are being forced to shift deceased patients between facilities as the Emmy's office is overrun. A source at NYC Health and Hospitals tells the Post, we have so far been able to manage deaths by moving them from one hospital to another and getting additional storage units. A hospital official also said that the Emmy's office was slammed because it doesn't have enough staffers to identify and transfer all the bodies that are in its morgues. New York City Mayor Eric Adams actually receives his very first paycheck today from the city. He'll be converting those monies, though, to cryptocurrencies. Adams pledged last year to take his first three paychecks at City Hall and Bitcoin. And the mayor said that he will instead convert today's check to both cryptocurrencies, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Here's Adams on New York One. We want this technology to be developed in New York City, and we really want to lean into innovation in the city of New York. And now young people are asking me, what's Bitcoin? Uh, What does it mean to get paid in it? Can they get paid in it? We're going to excite uh, the imagination and the creativity and the innovation in our city. All right. Now, in case you're wondering just how much money we are talking about, New York City's mayor is paid just over $258,000 a year. And that means Adams will be converting roughly $5,900 to the pair of cryptocurrencies based on a biweekly paycheck with an average tax withholding. Now, Federal Department of Labor regulations actually prohibit municipal government workers from being paid directly in cryptocurrency. So, Before Adams actually receives this into his bank account, the paycheck will have to be automatically be converted into cryptocurrency via Coinbase. Coinbase is a crypto exchange app, according to the mayor's press release. All right, 77 WABC time check, 527. Let's go to look at traffic with Mike Garcia. All right, Deb, as we stated earlier, the outbound upper level ramp to northbound Palace State Parkway is right lane is closed for road work until 2.30 p.m. Every one of you try to find an alternate route because that will not be cleared anytime soon. At the Lincoln Tunnel, center tube closed due to road work as well. Route 1, Middlesex County, New Jersey, southbound between Woodbridge Avenue and Route 18 is still closed due to the accident that occurred last night. I-495 eastbound between Glen Clove Road and Jericho Turnpike at Route 25 is no longer blocked as the accident has been cleared. The lower level Verrazano both sides is still closed due to construction. Transit is still looking pretty good right now, but as you know, every one of you can know, anything can change at any given moment, so be prepared to plan ahead of time. Alternate side parking rules are still in effect. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. Alright, thanks Mike and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine throughout the day today or highs 25. The wind chill between zero and 10 a mostly clear overnight the low is down to 16 and right now 15 degrees mostly clear skies in the big apple the wabc early news 
All right, a couple more stories to tell you about heading down to the break. A reversal by Starbucks. The coffee giant has ground its COVID-19 policy announced just two weeks ago. Now, this follows the U.S. Supreme Court ruling rejecting the Biden administration's vaccine or regular COVID-19 testing requirement for businesses with 100 or more employees. And now other companies such as GE, Amtrak and Macy's have all served up similar announcements. The Seattle-based coffee giant employs over a quarter million people who their latest policy announcement trips down to. All right, transgender Caitlyn Jenner, the former 1976 Olympic gold medal winner, Bruce Jenner, has called on the National Collegiate Athletic Association to immediately stop transgender athletes from competing against their biological counterparts. Now, this all comes as Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas is in the spotlight over her wins against other female college athletes. Jenner appeared on the Rita Cosby show last night. Here's Jenner. Everything's turning around. You know, Leah Thomas, I mean, I respect her as a human being, but what what she's doing uh, to women's sports is, is just not good. It's It's not fair. So Jenner's comments come on the heels of backlash faced by Thomas, who currently holds the NCAA's fastest women's times this season in both the 200 and 500-yard freestyle events. The NCAA changed its policy regarding transgender athletes Wednesday, saying transgender athletes will follow a sport-by-sport model similarly adopted by the U.S. and International Olympic Committees. The NCAA said if there was no international federation policy, then the previously established IOC policy criteria would be followed. 77 WABC Time Check 530. Deb Valentine with your early news, sports, weather, traffic, and business. We'll be back right after this. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine. Breaking news, WABC. Singer and actor Meatloaf has passed away at the age of 74. The singer born Marvin Lee a day died with his wife Deborah by his side. No cause of death of Meatloaf just yet, but keep it here to 77 WABC. We'll have for more information for you throughout the day. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. Conflicting statements from President Joe Biden about Ukraine, fueling concern over his cognitive abilities. And we have President Biden responding to a reporter's question about his mental acuity. The CDC says new figures point to an endemic of the viral pandemic. But Dr. Anthony Fauci disagrees, warning of the possibility of yet another variant. A reprieve for commuters. Maybe it appears the MTA will be able to fend off fair hikes until the end of this year. And social media being targeted to remove posts denying and spreading distortion about the Holocaust. All right. Confusing responses yesterday from President Joe Biden over the Ukraine crisis. He used a script inflaming the crisis by suggesting a minor incursion would go unpunished. Then Biden said a move by any Russian forces into Ukraine would constitute an unacceptable invasion. 
Even better, Biden said the U.S. would respond to moves by little green men, a reference to Russian soldiers posing as militia as well as cyber actions and paramilitary tactics. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. But it will be met with severe and coordinated economic response that I've discussed in detail with our allies, as well as laid out very clearly for President Putin. And Biden caused an international fury due to his comment that Russia might not be punished for a minor incursion. So the White House went into spin mode, Vice President Harris doing TV interviews. And as reporters were exiting another meeting, a Fox reporter asked Biden, why are you waiting on Putin to make the first move, sir? The president's response was captured by audio engineers. The president responding, what a stupid question. Joe Biden was quick to dismiss a reporter's question about his mental acuity, who was asked about the results of a Politico and Morning Consult poll that we told you about yesterday during the 77 WABC Early News. Now, 48 percent of respondents to that poll say they don't think Biden is mentally fit for office. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. Biden held the press event on the one-year anniversary of his presidency. Now, also in that poll, 37 percent of the respondents said they would rate Biden's performance as president as an F, and 50 percent of those polled agreed that Biden is a weak leader. A possible reprieve for New York City commuters. They won't be digging deeper into their pockets to ride subways, buses, and trains for now. The MTA says New York State's proposed budget, of course it still has to pass, includes money to fend off fare hikes for the rest of this year. New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, previously pledged to keep fares frozen indefinitely as the agency struggles with funding gaps due to ridership declines during the viral pandemic. Here's the governor Tuesday. We predict they'll be able to continue to balance the budget and be able to make these types of bold but necessary investments all the way through fiscal year 2027. And this is a big change from where we were just this time last year. MTA officials have put fare and toll increases in place every two years since the 2008 financial crisis. And uh, acting MTA Chair Jano Lieber has expressed support for the return to fare hikes every two years. Meanwhile, officials have continued to raise tolls at the authorities' bridges and tunnels where traffic has returned to pre-pandemic levels. Well, COVID-19 is waning, according to new projections from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Figures released from the CDC on Wednesday show daily cases down 6% over the past week. Projections predict, too, that daily U.S. COVID-19 deaths could drop to 1,400 by mid-February. That would mark a 25 percent drop from current figures. Now, some experts think that the Omicron variant will burn out, spelling an endemic. But the nation's top infectious disease specialist, Dr. Anthony Fauci, cautions yet another new resistant strain could emerge. You want to get it at a level that doesn't disrupt society. That's my definition of what endemicity would mean, a non-disruptive presence without elimination. I would hope that that's the case, 
But that would only be the case if we don't get another variant that eludes the immune response. So despite the CDC predictions, COVID-19 has ticked up over the past week. Deaths daily are up 8% from 1,717 to 1,867 as of Wednesday. 77 WABC time check, 537. Here's Mike Garcia at the traffic desk. Thank you, Deb. The outbound North Tube road work has been cleared at Route 1, Middlesex County, New Jersey, southbound between Woodbridge Avenue and Route 18. is still closed due to an accident that occurred last night. There was an accident that occurred at I-495 eastbound at Sagittos Parkway. Left and center lane has been closed as well. Lower level Verrazano, both sides still closed due to construction. And Fox Street northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street is closed due to a fatal uh, explosion that occurred on Tuesday. Transit is still looking pretty good right now, and as every one of you know, anything can change at any given moment, so please plan ahead. Alternate side parking rules are still in effect. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Mike, and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today are high 25, the wind chill 0 to 10. Mostly clear overnight with a low of 16. Right now we're holding steady at 15 degrees. Mostly clear skies here in the Big Apple. The WABC Early News. So do Democrats have a messaging problem? Will pieces of Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan pass? WABC Radio's Lydia Serrani posed these questions to famed constitutional scholar Professor Alan Dershowitz. And this is Lydia Serrani on the line with me right now is constitutional scholar, professor at Harvard for just 50 years, a Brooklyn boy at heart, is Professor Alan Dershowitz. How are you, Professor? Always great to talk to you. Brings me back to my roots. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Tell tell me what is going on with Build Back Better. Now they're talking about piecemealing it. Do do the Democrats have any hope of getting anything passed? I think they do. Uh, they have fifty votes, basically, for voter reform. What they don't have is enough votes to undo the filibuster. Um, 50 votes is enough because they have the vice president on their side. And if they were to break it up and piecemeal it and just have some sensible, non-radical, non-partisan approaches to helping balance the need to get out voters against the need to avoid fraud, they might get the 50. They need the two votes of uh, the uh, uh, Arizona and uh, other uh, 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 Democrat to win. And uh, but they're not playing smart politics at the moment. They're asking for too much. Some Democratic analysts have been saying that Democrats need to work on their messaging if they want to have any hope in the midterm elections. They're absolutely right. Right now, their messaging is that AOC is the Speaker of the House uh, and that uh, Ilan Omer is her deputy. Uh, the public thinks and understandably thinks that the Democrats have sold out to the hard, hard left. Here you have Pelosi opposing for the cover of uh, Rolling Stone magazine with one of the biggest bigots, anti-Semites and anti-American people in the House of Representatives, Ilan Omer. She should not be doing that any more than Republicans shouldn't be shouldn't be posing with David Duke or members of the Klan, both parties have to marginalize the right. And the Republicans are doing a better job of it than the Democrats are doing. Do you even recognize this Democratic Party anymore? I recognize some of them. I recognize uh, uh, President Biden. He's the kind of uh, centrist I vote for. 
I recognize Hillary Clinton. Uh, but, you know, I don't recognize Chuck Schumer anymore. I don't recognize Nancy Pelosi anymore. They just haven't tried to bring the party to the center. That's the only way the Democrats are going to win if they are moved to the center. America is a centrist country. To win elections, you need to appeal to centrist voters, not to the extremists on the hard right or the hard left. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, and welcome back anytime. Thank you, sir. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. And this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. And right now, the president's polling numbers are so bad that only 28 percent of Americans, according to this Associated Press poll, think he should run again for the White House. More on Biden. A former Obama White House official says Biden's been accused of further risking America's significantly weakened standing in the world by picking amateur diplomats for crucial postings. Crisis management expert Brett Bruin spent two years as director of global engagement in the Obama administration. Now, Bruin lashed out Wednesday after the president nominated prominent Democratic donor Jane Hartley to serve as U.S. ambassador to the U.K., Bruin has been very critical of some of Biden's ideas in the past. Here's Bruin on Sky News back in September. I think there is legitimate fear as to whether or not some of these big numbers, some of these big, bold ideas that President Biden is putting forward can be delivered upon. And that's going to be a source of hesitancy for other leaders. Now, according to CNN, Biden only picked Hartley for the crucial U.K. posting after the position was turned down by at least two other candidates, including former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. FBI agents searched the Texas home and campaign headquarters of U.S. Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar. It's all part of a court-authorized investigation. Now, according to the Monitor, Federal agents were seen inside and around Cuellar's mansion in Laredo on Wednesday. FBI agents were seen loading boxes, bins, bags, and even a computer from Cuellar's home into their vehicles. Cuellar has harshly criticized President Biden's border policies. Here he is on MSNBC back in October. We're in the middle of the pandemic. We can't even let legal visa holders from Mexico or Canada come in. But they're letting all this undocumented people come in during the middle of a pandemic. So where's the logic uh, where you don't let the legal visa holders from Mexico and Canada that spend billions of dollars on our local communities, but then let people without documentation? The Bureau would only confirm it is conducting an ongoing investigation. Now, Cuellar said in a statement that he will fully cooperate in any FBI investigation. Authorities say the California Police have arrested that man. They say stabbed UCLA student Brianna Kufer to death inside a high-end L.A. furniture store. Police say Sean Lavelle Smith arrested after a tip led police to a bus stop in Pasadena Wednesday morning. The arrest comes a day after authorities offered a wrecking-breaking quarter-million-dollar reward for information leading to his capture. Here's Cooper's father, Tom, on Fox News. I'm not blaming anybody by name. I blame... What's endemic in our society right now is that everybody seems to be oriented on giving back rights and bestowing favor on people that rob others 
of their rights. Now, records show that Smith has a criminal record that includes gun charges and an attack on a cop. The arrest comes as L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon faces criticism over his soft on crime approach. 77 WABC time check, 545. And yes, Justin Ellick is back once I, again. I hath returned. Yeah. You hath returned to, with sports. To give you your uh, early news sports update, just one basketball game yesterday, and that was at MSG between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Knicks. Not a fun night for the Knicks as they had another rough night in front of the home crowd, losing 102 to 10, uh, losing 102 to 91, excuse me, to another inferior opponent. They'll try and bounce back on Sunday when they welcome Los An- the Los Angeles Clippers into town. As for the Nets, they'll be in action tonight in San Antonio against the Spurs. That tip is set for 8.30 p.m. Eastern. No hockey in town last night, but Rangers and Islanders fans will get their fix this evening. The Rags are down in Carolina to skate with the Hurricanes at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. And the Islanders have the Arizona Coyotes at home in Long Island a half an hour later at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. As for Devils fans, you'll have to wait until tomorrow when the aforementioned Hurricanes make a showing in Newark at 7 p.m. Eastern time. The NFL playoffs move into the divisional round this weekend with four great games slated over the next two days. Starting tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, you've got the Cincinnati Bengals in Tennessee to bang heads with the Titans, followed by an 8.15 p.m. Eastern time date between the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers in Green Bay. Looking ahead to Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams will try their luck against the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And later on that evening, the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs will square off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern in Kansas City. As for my picks, I've got Bengals over Titans, Packers over Niners, Rams over Bucks, and Bills over Chiefs. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, my, my only way in is I'm rooting for the Buffalo Bills, and I really do think Green Bay will win. I got the Bills going all the way there, Deb, so I'm, there right, you go. I'm right with you. <laughs> well, we'll see if we're right on Monday. <laughs> exactly. We might as well go down with the ship together. Uh, uh, yeah, right, over for two so far. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our highs 25, the wind chill 0 to 10, mostly clear overnight, the lows 16 degrees, and right now we still have 15 degrees, mostly clear here in the Big Apple. It's the WABC Early News. All right, Frank Morano has your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business update. The holiday-shortened trading week wraps up today after stocks closed lower on Thursday. Tech stocks started off the session strong but lost momentum towards the end of the day. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 313 points. The S&P 500 dropped 50 points, and the Nasdaq fell by 186. New data released by the Feds show that people signing papers for a new home loan will pay the highest interest rates since the start of the pandemic. Mortgage rates for the typical 30-year loan have climbed to their steepest levels since early 2020 as the housing market looks to expected Federal Reserve rate hikes. According to data from mortgage giant Freddie Mac, the average rate on the benchmark 30-year fixed-rate home loan was 3.56% in the week ending on Thursday. That's up from 3.45% average last week. The IRS has partnered with a Virginia-based private identification firm, which requires a facial recognition selfie, among other things, in order to create or access online accounts with the agency. According to Krebson Security, the IRS announced that by the summer of 2022, the only way to log on to irs.gov will be through 
ID.me. The top scientist at GlaxoSmithKline will leave the pharma giant to help lead a startup founded by a cadre of billionaires who seek immortality. Hal Barron announced he'll jump ship to run the Silicon Valley venture Altos Labs, which is focused on anti-aging technology. Billionaires, including Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and Russian venture capitalist Yuri Milner, are funding the biotechnology firm with the aim of discovering a way to reverse aging. The company received $3 billion in funding this week and is on a hiring spree as it recruits scientists around the world to explore how to reverse the aging process. With business, I'm Frank Morano. 787-WABC, time check 549, Deb Valentine with your early news. Well, we have an update this morning on that 11-month-old girl shot in her cheek by a stray bullet in the Bronx. They are still looking for the gunman. The NYPD has released a video. Now, the girl's mother says her daughter, Catherine, who turns one-year-old today, will survive. The girl originally listed in critical but stable condition. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams weighing in on this. My police commissioner is putting... All the methodologies that are needed, all of the police personnel on the ground, coordinating with the right plan. But there's one thing we need. We need help. All right. So this gunman cops are looking for is an adult male with a medium build last seen in a gray four door sedan. Well, the Bronx District Attorney has dismissed 133 felony cases which are tied to a corrupt former NYPD detective. Bronx District Attorney Darcel Clark says the cases depended upon Joseph Franco's sworn statements and testimony by a grand jury. He worked as an undercover narcotics detective in the Bronx and had been indicted in Manhattan for perjury. He was fired from the NYPD back in 2020. He was found guilty of lying to a grand jury on multiple occasions and falsifying documents and evidence. Well, there's a pair of backlog at the New York City Medical Examiner's Office, an article published by the New York Post citing an increase in fatalities and staffing shortages due to Omicron to blame. The backlog also having a rippling effect on hospitals. Some hospitals are being forced to shift deceased patients between facilities as the Emmy's office is overrun. Well, New York City Mayor Eric Adams receives his very first paycheck as mayor today, and he says he'll be converting those monies to cryptocurrencies. Adams pledged during his campaign last year to take his first three paychecks at New York City Hall in Bitcoin. So the mayor said that he will instead convert today's check to both cryptocurrencies, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Here's Mayor Adams on New York One. We want this technology to be developed in New York City, and we really want to lean into innovation in the city of New York. And now young people are asking me, what's Bitcoin? Uh, What does it mean to get paid in it? Can they get paid in it? We're going to excite of the imagination and the creativity and the innovation in our city. So in case you're wondering just how much money Adams makes, uh, we're talking about the mayor's salary of 258000 bucks a year. Now that means Adams will be converting roughly $5,900 to this pair of cryptocurrencies based on a biweekly paycheck with an average tax withholding. And uh, he will have to convert this, though, using an exchange app, a crypto exchange app, Coinbase, 
because the Federal Department of Labor regulations actually prohibit municipal governments from paying workers directly in cryptocurrencies. Well, we have an apology this morning from New Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. He is, of course, the subject of a recall effort over his new policies, downgrading many felony charges. At least nine prosecutors in his office have quit. Bragg has apologized for confusion, but he says he is not backing down from his stance. Bragg spoke Thursday at a New York law school, the law of virtual, uh, during a law of virtual conference. He blamed poor messaging and communications for all the backlash. I certainly understand why people took it and, and viewed it as a static document. This is something that's got to live and breathe under the circumstances of specific cases under the judgment and wisdom of, of, of those who have experience and have dealt with it. Bragg's controversial day one policy memo to his staff instructed prosecutors to stop seeking prison sentences for all crimes except for homicides, assaults resulting in serious injury, domestic violence felonies, sex offenses, public corruption and major economic crimes. Well, as if actor Alec Baldwin did not have enough controversy swirling around him, he's already, of course, being investigated for that prop gun death on the set of the movie Rust. He's being sued for defamation after allegedly criticizing the sister of a Marine who died in Afghanistan in connection with the January 6th riot. And now he is connected to the disgraced Cuomo family. New York State Attorney General Letitia James released a video of Chris Cuomo's testimony related to her office's investigation into sexual harassment claims against his brother, Andrew. The video shows the fired CNN anchor admitting he advised his brother, Andrew, not to go after women who claimed the ex-governor had sexually harassed them. Now, Chris claims he asked actor Alec Baldwin to stay out of it when the actor offered to post a video online defending then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. I wasn't in favor of it happening because I didn't think that Alec Baldwin weighing in on this one way or the other was necessarily helpful or respectful to the situation. Um, And I was trying to help my brother and It just didn't seem that helpful to me. So Cuomo was fired by CNN back in December after a transcript of the interview with the AG's office was released on November 29th. The video was recorded at a law office in New York City on July 15th of last year. That video released yesterday. New York's hottest new club could be a decommissioned Staten Island ferry. Saturday Night Live stars and Staten Island natives Pete Davidson and Colin Jost are behind the mysterious purchase at auction of the John F. Kennedy. It's a decommissioned ferry boat. The pair, in partnership with Manhattan real estate broker and comedy club owner Paul Italia, spent $280,000 to purchase this boat that most ride for free. Italia, who spoke exclusively to the New York Post on Thursday, said the trio had grand plans for their ship. They're not saying too much about it, though. Italia said plans were being made to tow the ship by tugboat to a local shipyard where he plans to keep it. Well, a long-term location is found. So we'll end up seeing what they do with that. All right. 77 WABC time check coming up on 557. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Hi, Mike. 
Hello, Deb, and good morning, everyone. As a reminder, outbound upper road work blocks the right lane on the ramp to Poundstein Parkway until 2.30 p.m. today. It is going to be a pain in the butt to try to get through, so... Try to bear with it, folks. At the LIE I-495 eastbound, left and center lane is blocked, closed. I'm sorry, excuse me. It's blocked and is closed due to an accident that occurred last night. Lower level Verrazano, both sides still closed due to construction. At Fox Street, northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street is closed due to the fatal house explosion that happened on Tuesday. Transit is still looking pretty good right now, but as you know, folks, anything can happen at any given moment, so please be sure to plan ahead. Alternate side Parking rules are still in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our high will creep up to 25 degrees. The wind chill between 0 and 10. Mostly clear overnight, the low is 16. And still, I've been waiting for the temperature to tick up during the past hour, but still holding steady at 15 degrees. Mostly clear skies. It's the WABC Early News. All right, Deb Valentine with your early news. A reversal by Starbucks as we work our way to the Bernie and Sid in the Morning program coming up at 6 o'clock. So Starbucks, the coffee giant out of Seattle, has now ground its COVID-19 policy, which it announced just two weeks ago. This follows the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that rejected the Biden administration's vaccine or regular COVID-19 testing requirement for businesses with 100 or more employees. Now, other companies such as General Electric, GE, Amtrak and Macy's have all served up similar announcements in recent weeks. So the Seattle-based coffee giants employees, over a quarter million people, who their latest policy announcement drips down to are affected by this. Well, transgender Caitlyn Jenner, formerly the 1976 Olympic gold medal winner Bruce Jenner, has now called on the National Collegiate Athletic Association to immediately stop transgender athletes from competing against their biological counterparts. So, of course, there is this huge controversy involving Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas, of course, in the spotlight over her wins against other female college athletes. Now, Jenner appeared last night on the Rita Cosby show. Everything's turning around. You know, Leah Thomas, I mean, I respect her as a human being, but what what she's doing uh, to women's sports is, is just not good. It's It's not fair. So generous comments come on the heels of backlash faced by Thomas. And, of course, the NCAA changed its policy regarding transgender athletes Wednesday, saying transgender athletes will follow a sport-by-sport model similarly adopted by the U.S. and International Olympic Committees. Keep it here to 77 WABC. We're working away to Bernie and Sid at 6.